All right, there we go. We are on. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Oh, I can't complain. I've, I've spent most of the day watching uh, NFL football, which is as good a way to to spend a Sunday as I can imagine. So, I've been slacking off doing. most of today, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, how's the campaign trail been treating you so far? I mean, we're less you know less than a month out from it. Uh, you know, it's really coming down to the wire here in all these different races. I mean, what, what, uh, how, how are you feeling in, in this final month or so? Um, I'm a lot more calm than I was last time because I ran back in 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, last time I, they, it was my first time running for anything, and I was very uh, I'm trying to think of the proper word. Trep- I was trepidatious about what, how, how it would end for me, um, for that year. And uh, coming out with what is it, three point nine percent of the vote? Like I was, I felt accomplished after that one. Um, this one, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm, I'm standing. I haven't been at, at I'm not gonna lie, I haven't been as dutiful in my campaigning this year. Um, I've got more of a presence online uh, this time mm-hmm. than I did last time, so I'm hoping that'll translate a little bit more. But uh, the the 22nd district is such a weird district right now. It just got revamped. Um, we lo- the, the the district itself lost a really good chunk of the population that voted last election. Um, and I'm pretty sure I got quite a few votes in that area because there's at least 10 people in my neighborhood who are no longer now in that district now. So uh, we, you know, that's at least 10 votes I lost because, because of the redistrict, redistricting. Right. Uh, so... I, I've been joking about that all um, this whole past year, and but I'm, I'm I'm feeling good about it. I there's only one real competitor in this district other than myself, and that's uh, current Congressman Troy Nels, mm-hmm. who uh, he is a former sheriff for Fort Bend County. His brother uh, is running for county judge right now, so n- the Nels family is kind of ingrained in this area. But I think I'm hoping I'm hoping to knock more into his his overall control of the the district this time. Uh, the Democrat who is running for the um, the Democrat Party here, she's nowhere to be found. She doesn't have oh, a really? website. She doesn't have a Twitter that is dedicated to the the campaign. She doesn't have anything, and like nobody can get a hold of her. Nobody's talking to her. She's not talking anywhere. Uh, Troy is not talking anywhere either, but he didn't last time. He sat in his freaking house and let everybody else do all the work for him. He didn't go to any debates. I, uh-huh. you know, I, when in 2020, I f- saw uh, Preston Kukarni, uh, that's his name. Um, he was the Democrat nominee. And him and I saw each other quite a few times for different interviews and pseudo debates. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I definitely pushed some issues with him and made him kind of reevaluate how, where he stands on certain issues. Um, and I know this because he just adopted some of the things that I said to him and I was like, <laughs> like you know, but even if I don't get, if, if I don't win the, uh, the, the, the seat in the U S house, like I want to be able to do enough change where the candidates are actually paying attention to what I'm saying and go and try to implement that in Congress because I believe my, my ideas are the best outcome for what we want as individuals voting in, 
and wanting from our representatives instead of, you know, what was it that uh, Dan Crenshaw said recently? If he can't make money from his position, why should he even have that position? Like, <laughs> that, that's not what you're there for, bro. Right. right. <laughs> you're supposed to be a public servant, not a, oh, I'm going to make sure that I'm making as much money as possible. Like that. And that's been one of my biggest gripes this entire this entire one, um, this entire year and then election cycle, uh, last election cycle, I kind of po- pointed at it as well was that a lot of these people, all they're in it for is power and money. Right. And me personally, I don't care about money. <laughs> I like, like it, I, I will believe me. I'm just like anybody else. I enjoy having money. I enjoy being able to pay my bills. I enjoy buying little things here and there for myself, but it money is not the end all be all for me. It's never been that way. And that's not something like I'm always seeking out to make as much money as possible. I just want enough money to be able to pay my bills, feed myself, you know, help, you know, buy nice gifts for my family once in a while, you know, right. instead of just, oh, here's a birthday card. Because I've been there like where I'm like, oh, I got two dollars and somebody's birthday is coming up. I have to spend it on a card, you know, like I've been yeah. poor as heck before. So now right now I'm doing OK. Like there's still. You know, we all have those bills that we got to we got to keep up with and, you know, make sure that they're getting paid off so we don't, you know, default on credit cards or loans or, you know, lose our car. <laughs> like right. that kind of stuff is always going to be there. But I'm I'm maintaining so I'm feeling comfortable in my in, in, in my lifestyle right now. And I don't need millions of dollars to fill my bank account. <laughs> right. Well, I imagine trying to, you know, balance all of that stuff while you're running for Congress can be. Uh, you know, a little bit of a hassle, let's say. I mean, running for Congress is no is no small task. Now, now was Troy who you ran against uh, in in twenty twenty? Yeah, as well? he was he was the Republican nominee uh, in twenty twenty for the twenty second district, and uh, Preston Kulkarni was the Democratic nominee, and I was the only third party member there. Uh, mm-hmm. This time, we have a guy running as a write in candidate, uh, but oh. write ins. Write-ins don't get many votes, if right. anything at all, because they're not on that ballot. So people, the only people who are going to vote for them are people that actually know who they are. And if they misspell that name, their 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 vote doesn't count. Oh um, yeah, that's part of that's part of the problem with our current system and the way that it's set up, especially here in Texas. Um, and one of the things that like actually got me into running the first time, um, I did. Um, I'm a str- I used I. I'm a streamer. Um, I used to stream a lot more often, but I've had uh, some medical stuff that I was going through that I had to take a break from uh, streaming. And uh, so I used to stream all the time and I used to do this little like kind of streaming show where I talked about politics or or social issues and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I, I did a whole show about running for office and I was talking about how I, I always had this joke that I was going to run for president as, at when I became um, eligible by, for, you know, with my age, uh, which was actually last election cycle at 2020. I, be, I became over the age limit so I could run for president. So I was making a whole show about how I made this joke that when 2020 comes around, I'm going to run under the uh, the no pants party, which is <laughs> my my whole thing. We're, we're all about not having pants, blah, blah, blah. And then I started like really delving into the cost and like what it would actually cost me or somebody else that was going to run as an independent. And it came out like, I, what was it? I think 
the average cost to run for president as an independent ended up being something like $15,000 per state. Oh, wow. Um, let alone some states you needed signatures to be, to run as an independent. Uh, some you needed, uh, you needed certain stipulations to run as an independent. And that's just to get as a write-in. That's not right. even like actually have your name on the ballot kind of thing. Like you're spending a lot more money and getting a lot more signatures to get your name on the ballot. Uh, so I was convinced by some of my friends and they were like, why don't you just run for office? Anyways, you're, you're, you're in this kind of world. You're, you're very active. You're very opinionated and, and don't just go out and do it. So I was like, you know, all right. So I started looking like what office I'd write, like to run for um, the previous congressman from my district which is no longer my district unfortunately uh, that i live in um the the previous congressman in 2020 wasn't going to run again so it was wide open uh we had uh, a bush run in our district in 2020 uh troy nels who's the sheriff who was the sheriff of fort bend county ran um there's a couple other big name people that were running and trying to secure the seat over here. And I've always, I've been a libertarian officially for the past eight years. Um, mm -hmm. But before that, I've been a, a libertarian since I got out of the army uh, in 2005. I, I, be, I became disillusioned with the Republican Party, which is what I grew up as. I grew up a Republican and I became extremely disillusioned with them. I looked at the Democrat Party for a while and I was just like, <sighs> I don't agree with a lot of their, the bigger the government, the better. The more the government has their fingers in, the more, the better for society. That's just from being in the military, being around the military my entire life. My dad's a retired colonel in the army. My um, brother has been in for 20 years now. Like having seen all the bureaucratic bull crap that you go through uh, while you're in the service, like really made me believe that the government doesn't know how to do anything right. <laughs> um, and so like I, I became a, I'm a small government guy. I'm a small government guy. So I was sitting Republican more, but then like after going, I joined the army in 2002, right after September 11th, uh, uh -huh. I enlisted in March of 2002. And, and I really had this idea, like I want to do what's right. You know, these, these people attacked my, my country. We got to go and, and get back. Mind you, I'm 18 years old, well, 17, 18 years old. Um, around that time, I turned 18 in November of 01. So it was like, I, I was young and I was naive. And so I, I really thought I was doing my patriot duty. I always knew I was going to be in the military, but I really thought like this was the time I needed to go. So I joined, mm -hmm. um, served as a military police uh in the army for three years uh got out medically and uh after i got out um i lost a couple really close friends while i was in and that really changed the way i thought about things mm -hmm. um i really started looking at politicians as people who were extremely self-serving I, I saw them as they don't care about joe on you know who's stationed in Germany about to get deployed to Iraq. He doesn't care about, they don't care about, you know, Cindy who has to leave her kids to go to Afghanistan for a year. 
you know, the, the, the people in DC just don't care about the people that are actually going and putting their lives on the line. And that, that really frustrated me. And Ron Paul was running, I think that was the year in 2006 was like the first time I heard of Ron Paul. Right. And I started reading a lot of his stuff. I started uh, looking at him and, and realizing that libertarianism is what I actually was believing in it at that time that, that I'm, um, I'm what they call a minarchist. Um, minarchists mm-hmm. believe in very small government. Like their only duty is to, to protect the, you know, protect the people that live in that country. Uh, that they're another one of their duties is to make sure that trade between the states and other nations is happening, um, and that that's all going smoothly. Um, right. It's a very, very, very like original small government, like constitutional style government. Um, <clears throat> And that really appealed to me. So I started like getting more and more into reading more Ron Paul, uh, reading, uh, you know, some of uh, Mises and reading um, and Ryan Rand and getting into that whole, like looking at those people and, and trying to figure out, you know, what these ideas really meant to me. And I was going to college at the time. So I was being like bombarded with, people who are like libertarians are crazy. You libertarians are yeah. crazy, you know, <laughs> y'all, y'all don't believe in any government. And I'm like, I, I mean, I believe in a little bit of government. I believe that, you know, there, there should be a little bit of government, but I don't think that the government should be doing everything that they're doing right now. Right. Um, so that really started me down this path and I, um, brought me to 2020 election where I, I ran. Um, I, and that was a very weird, uh, election cycle because COVID was happening. Oh um, yeah, I bet. So like, I I didn't want to go door knocking, which is like one of the very like base things of running for Congress or running for any office is door knocking. Oh yeah, like you want to go and knock on people's door. You want to talk to them and give them you know information on yourself. Uh, mind you, I don't have million dollar donors like these other two party people do. So a lot of like the things that come out of my, you know, that are, that are my, um, was my campaign stuff, like Mm -hmm. my signs, my t-shirts, my stickers and stuff. That's all out of my pocket. Right. (laughs) So like, I'm the only person giving money to myself to run for, for, for office. So that hinders me as well. I don't have the ability to pay for a million flyers to be mailed out. Um, I don't have the ability to hire staff members to come and uh, run underneath me and answer phone calls or call people, randomly call people and talk to people or, or go out to all the, the areas because the, the 22nd District is huge. Um, it spans from South South Houston all the way out to um, almost, was it, uh, Bay City uh, towards like almost Victoria area. Like it's, it is a massive freaking district. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, it, it's not as big as some of the ones, like, the one between Katy and Austin, that's a pretty large district, or, like, a lot of West Texas districts are huge. Um, right. But I just, I don't have the money or the manpower to do this kind of thing, to go all over the place. I was driving, I drove, one one time I dro- drove down to uh, Pearland for a uh, get-together, and 
gas, I think at that time was like three or four dollars a gallon. And I wasn't like making a lot of money at my job at that time. So I was like, really like, okay, I got enough money to get to get there, get back, you know, and that's about it. Like, I'll have to to scrimp and save for the next week or two till payday kind of thing. And so like, it was definitely an eye opening experience for me that time. This time, though, like, I'm a little bit more laid back. I'm, I'm not that I try my best to, tr- to engage with people in, in the district better. Um, I answer, I've always answered all the emails. If anybody emails my, my campaign site or they put a message on my campaign site, I always answer that. That's me answering. That's not a, you know, that's not a staff member <laughs> answering for me. Now that's me right. personally answering. You got any questions? Well, you know, let me have it. I have no problem answering and I will be extremely blunt with people. Uh, like, I was with Houston Chronicle this past week when we did our uh, our interview for their um, endorsement, which I doubt I'm going to get. But right. <laughs> you know, like, hey, I, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. lie to them about that. So, yeah, might as well try. You know, what could it hurt? Oh yeah, I I, th- I feel like I have a really good um, relationship with the Asian and Pacific Islanders um, Association of Houston. Uh, they're mm-hmm. always come to me and ask me questions and and i get i'm extremely blunt with them uh last election they had me talk to a bunch of their high school kids um that they have in their their group and from one of the kdisd high schools and like i was extremely i I was blunt with these kids i was telling them like this is what i believe Mm -hmm. and and this is what i want you guys to look into like i if i don't change your mind at least look into it you know and, and right. see see these facts that I'm going, I, you know, and I, I try to put out as much facts and as much information and where I get my information from uh, to people when they ask me questions. Because I think, if nothing, they will at least understand where my position is coming from. Because I try to understand where everybody else's position is coming from when I'm, ha- when I'm having dialogue with them. Right. And, you know, like with talking, um, talking with, with kids, you know, that are in school. You know, you've at least you've at least planted the seed, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you might not convince them that day or, or that week, but maybe you open their eyes a little bit. You get them to start doing a little little bit of research on their own time. I feel like that's how a lot of us, you know, stumble into libertarianism. But, you know, but at least they have someone there who's giving them some facts and shooting them straight and just just kind of planting that little seed in there. Maybe they you know, take it and run with it. But, but, you know, if not, at least they have that, uh, that information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you said, um, you know, with, with regard to financing your campaign, you know, like you said, you, you don't have access to the, the fundraise, the, you know, the expansive fundraising networks that Democrats and Republicans have, and you don't have access to that, you know, all that corporate money, that billionaire money that they're getting. And, you know, as a result, you, you have to pay for everything that you want for your campaign. You know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you get some donations from the website, I'm sure, but you know, for the most part. Um, so, you know, how, how, you know, how did you decide where you wanted to spend money? Like, what are you prioritizing um, on your campaign? Since it is coming out of your own pocket, what have you found to be the most valuable way to, uh, to spend money? Um, for me, I bought I I bought a bunch of signs, um, mm-hmm. and and I and I always will choose a local business 
um, over one of these big, like one of the companies that always email me. You should see my in my inbox and my email. <laughs> it's like 20 different companies that are nationwide, you know, oh, we'll, we'll help you get your message out. We'll text, you know, everybody within this area. We'll email all these people in the, you know, from this area. We'll send letters. And it's like, I'd rather go with a local company over anything. Right. I, I, but I'm a big proponent of supporting local companies. Uh, I, I do a lot of that stuff. I, I'm, I'm very big about staying away from chain restaurants. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I will go visit a chain restaurant. I mean, I'm not going to turn down Whataburger. <laughs> if, if As a Texan, you can't, you know, if you're a Texan, you know, you don't turn down Whataburger. Um, but like, I, I'm a really big proponent of that I, I bought a bunch of signs. Um, I've paid for some advertisement on, um, Facebook, which, and YouTube. Um, my, my biggest problem is, is that, I, I don't, I, if I had, I, I, my friends that usually do a lot of like videotaping and stuff like that and, and helping me with video editing and stuff like that, they are, they've been, um, kind of busy this past election cycle. So I haven't been doing any like, oh, here's my tape response this year. Um, Mm -hmm. but most of, most of the money that I've found that has been really good has been like doing Facebook ads, honestly, um, or doing, a a youtube ad or doing a um twitter um promoted ad it, it, you just get the engagement um when twitter doesn't want to hide your shit um <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so, oh i understand that i i haven't spent as much money as i'd like i wanted to what we wanted to do this year was uh go out to the county fairs and uh set up booths um but we at the the I'm also the treasurer for our county party, so oh, okay, we didn't have the funds to do it for for all the counties, uh, so we didn't get out to the counties at like we wanted to, the way we wanted to, because um, everything costs money. I'm not gonna lie, I, like everything costs money. Anything that you want to do to try to promote yourself, it's gonna cost you money. Oh yeah, uh, I I just started a business this past year that is cost me more money than I, I want to admit, but I know in the future, this business will bring me enough money to help me support myself more, um, in, in ways that I want and get away from what I'm currently doing right now as a, uh, as a full-time job, um, which is being a nanny. Right. Uh, so it's, it's just been like, I, I want to move on from that and, and go s- somewhere else and, make something better myself and try to make myself better. I don't want to say make something better myself because I feel like I'm a pretty decent person already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, starting a business is a, you know, I mean, it's a pretty good idea. I I mean, I know plenty of people that, you know, took that leap and it, it worked out well for them. I think, you know, it's definitely a good thing to do, especially if you want to get out of that. Yeah. I mean, we've all worked jobs that we don't want to have anymore. (laughs) Yeah. It's very relatable feeling. So, I mean, no shame in wanting to get out of that. Um, <laughs> you could, could you tell me a little bit more about the um, about the district? I mean, because I know it's uh, you said it was like southwest Houston area. I forget where you said it stretched. Yeah, it, it goes from south Houston, like almost near NASA, mm-hmm. uh, all the way around the south side of Houston, out towards Fort Bend County, Sugarland, uh, Richmond, Rosenberg. 
and goes okay. all the way out. I believe it still goes all the way out to Bay City. Um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, the 22nd District of Texas was actually Ron Paul's district when he was a congressman. Oh, uh, really? Mind you, it was in Corpus Christi because that's where Ron is from. Um, where Doctor, where the Doctor Ron, uh, Paul is from, is from Corpus Christi. But it, it for me, it was kind of like that was the thing that like really. Oh, I gotta run for Congress. I gotta go and right. try to get, <laughs> gotta get that seat back for you know the yeah. the, the, the libertarians. So, um, but oh, that's awesome. uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty large district. It's it's a very multicultural district. Um, we have a large Asian uh, population. A Indian subcontinent population is here is pretty large as well. Uh, our Hispanic population is quite large i mean it is i think fort bend county was the most diverse county in the entire united states this past year oh wow yeah so i mean it's got a very good mix of different cultures interaction interacting with each other all over the place here um there's a very large muslim uh, community out here uh there's very large hindu community out here and so it's been really for me. He, that's what Houston's always been um, to me. I've always felt like Houston's always had a really good mixture of people, um, but the twenty second district is probably even more diverse than I think anywhere else in the world right now. There's just, there's so many people here that are from different cultures, and like my neighborhood itself is is uh, we have a. Uh, Russian guy that lives across the street from me, um, the guy across the street from me, the guy right across from the street from me is from North Carolina. Uh, the guy next to them, it's a, um, a Muslim family who are amazing freaking people. Um, they, they, like where my, my neighborhood is the people around, around my house, like the, I've gotten to know uh, quite a few of them and, and we have really good relationships and it's just really interesting to see that because uh, living like I lived in Arizona for quite a few times uh, for quite a few years I was out there for se- six or seven years um, and it was like it, it isn't that way <laughs> it's <laughs> like I, I lived in the I lived in the Hispanic side of town in Flagstaff for a long time um, oh, I lived okay. I lived in um, North Phoenix for a while, which is quite, I mean, it's, it's mostly white people in that area where I was living. Um, and it, it, it's just so different from what I'm used to living out here. Um, and I've been out here, see, I've lived in Texas 21 years out of my 38 and, uh, I've lived in Houston, the Houston area, probably the longest out of anywhere else. I, I have wanderlust and that's just because my dad was in the army and we moved every three years. <laughs> uh, that so sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, is the, now is that, is the 22nd district always been fairly conservative or what's the, what's the political makeup around there? Uh, last, uh, the 2020 election was the first time I think that the, the conservative stranglehold on the areas started to actually, break um Kokarni didn't do too bad in the in in the end results i think he ended up with something around 40 40 percent of the vote 
um, which I think was the highest that uh, Democrats ever gotten in the 22nd district. Hmm. So it it's been it's been really interesting. There is a definite uh, definite uh, purple feel to the district. Although it'll be interesting to see with the redistricting how that how that comes out in this election. <clears throat> Yeah, I think you're right. And yeah, I, I did want to ask specifically because of Cole Carney. Like, I remember hearing about him um, last election cycle. Like, he was, you know, he, he was a Democratic star on the rise in Texas. And I, I remember reading things about him like that. So that's why I was wondering. I, I was wondering if it had always been so conservative, but seems like maybe it's trending a little more purple. Yeah, this this district is definitely uh, turning more purple. Uh, Cole Carney had a, took a big hit. Uh, while he was running here, there, um, there's been a, the Indian population in this area, um, is a good mixture of Hindu and Muslim and, um, the, what's going on in India, if, if you're not in the whole geopolitical news, um, there's a lot of conflict between the Muslim population of India and the, the Hindu population of India. And one of the groups uh, who are the party of uh, Modi, who is the current leader of India, um, right. has a very controversial stance that um, a lot of the, the Muslim community do not, uh, do not find to be beneficial to them um, as they, they're being targeted by the, by the RSS in India um, mm-hmm. currently. And that has transferred over to American politics because there's a group that has links to Modi's party um, that has been putting a lot of money into Democrats here in the U S and oh, wow. uh, it came out that, Kulkarni got a big donation from that group, so a lot of the uh, the Muslims in the area very turned their back on Kulkarni, and, oh, and were very very loud about it too. So he, his his whole campaign took a pretty large hit in 2020 because of it. Yeah, how much better do you think he would have done in the end if if he didn't have to go through? Because you said he got about 40 percent of the. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure it was around 40 percent. Um, cause you think I, he would have done well enough to like flip, flip it or, or you, how, how much closer do you think maybe he would have gotten? I think there might've been a runoff. Um, had, oh, wow. had he not, had he not had that come out about him? Yeah. But I mean, this is, it's speculation. I, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of those people voted for me <laughs> and I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that they've paid en- enough attention to me since they voted for me and that they're they actually like what I, I have put out there. Um, and I, I, if, if any of them happen to listen and if anybody happens to, you know, see me and says, Hey, I, maybe I should ask this guy what he, what he believes. Cause I had a lot of them and a lot of people contact me last election cycle about where I stood with it and, and how I felt about, about the Muslim community. Um, mm-hmm. And, and me personally, I, I don't have hold a hatred towards any group of people. I don't, I don't believe that hatred is a good way to look at people. Um, I think that every individual should be judged on their character uh, and not who they pray to or what they look like. And that that's just something that my dad always instilled in me. 
Um, and that's something that I'm, I'm not going to lie while I was in the service. I lost a little bit of that, that, um, belief, but after leaving the service, I, I definitely turned around and was like, no, that's, that's not the right way to view anybody. Um, right. And so now I'm, I'm a big anti-war person. I'm, I, you know, like, <laughs> I know that's, that's been something that, that libertarians have been always known for, but my personal reasons is because I'm tired of seeing my friends die and I'm tired of my friends, you know, committing suicide because of the things that they went through while they were in, um, you know, like I'm tired of seeing that and I don't want my, you know, kids, my grandkids, my, you know, the, anybody that I know to go through the stuff that, that my friends, my, and my family have gone through over the past 20 years. I have friends that have their kids going to the same places that they were freaking deployed at. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me to think this, that, that, you know, we back in Oh four, like my unit got deployed uh, to Iraq and I have friends whose kids are going to the same place. And I'm like, that, that that's insane. <laughs> That is that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. God, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's it's not something that that we should be doing. Um, I imagine that that you know that 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 issue is a big part um, of your campaign. I'm wondering, sort of, you know, what what are some of the other top issues that you're focusing on? You know, as you go out into the district and talk to voters, and you know, what what are you what are you really prioritizing as you make as you make those trips? Um, my number one, my number one priority is repealing the Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand the, the, the problems with the Patriot Act. Um, I think a lo- there is a larger group of people now who, who have a problem with it that didn't have a problem with it back in oh oh one and oh two when it got pushed and passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been against the Patriot Act, even since 2001. I, I, I felt like taking away due process, taking away uh, people's right to trial, taking away, you know, the, the habeas corpus being suspended for these individuals, um, the right to privacy, the, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, all, you know, you, there are a whole bunch of these freaking amendments have, are, have been completely ignored. I right. not, not the six because I believe the sixth one is about uh, a civil cases and the amount of money that they have to be before they can be tried by a jury of your peers. But you know, like fourth and fifth amendment, the uh, seventh amendment, um, like these these amendments that are supposed to pr- protect our rights from the government's overstep, completely ignored by the Patriot Act. The government, I mean, at, at uh, Snowden. His whole thing, like the them freaking collecting all of our data and throwing it into computers and then running algorithms to see if we're saying anything wrong, you know, like that kind of stuff was enabled by the Patriot Act, and that's that's wrong. It's, it goes against everything that this country is built on. Um, so that's my number one um, thing that I always bring up. I always bring up because we as a society are looking to make sure that we take care of our planet better. Uh, I bring up that nuclear power is the way to go to make our energy cleaner. And I know that a lot of people have been pushed away from nuclear because they're afraid of things like Chernobyl or Fukushima. Right. You know, there's been what, 
three major nuclear um, emergencies since we started using nuclear power. Three. Right. Out of, out yeah. of the entire history of nuclear power, three. Like... <laughs> We have we have more problems here in the city of Houston with freaking refineries blowing up every year. <laughs> like, so to me, I'm like, why why aren't we pushing for more nuclear? And they're oh well because solar and wind, you know that's the way we should go. And I'm like, you you realize like how wasteful solar and wind are right now. Like they are like, oh, yeah. resource wise. I think what was it? Somebody, um, one of one of the people that works on the wind turbines up in West Texas, they were telling me it takes like three hundred gallons of oil for one wind turbine. Oh like, my god! We're still using oil. <laughs> you know, like, I, don't quote me on the on the number, but he said it was a lot of freaking oil for for each wind turbine, and I'm just like. And this is supposed to be the cleaner energy, you know, right. and, and, and wind and solar, like you can't generate that a hundred percent of the time either. You know, wind is not a hundred percent of the time going all the time. Um, the, the sun only sits in our sky for how long every day, you know, at most, what is it like 14 hours a day? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, you know, and during the winter, it's a lot less than that. So like, and the, the problems that you have with the wind turbines killing millions of birds every year, uh, the solar farms out in the desert doing the same thing because of the way that we are collecting the solar power. Um, you know, and I know that, that nuclear is not a, it's not a zero sum game when it comes to resources and, and land that's taking it up. And, but I, I when I look at everything, when I look at how much, our nuclear technology has has expanded over the years it is a lot cleaner than anything else that we have right now and our batteries are nowhere close to where they need to be to be able to really um use solar and wind to the fullest of their extent you know so that's 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 usually the second thing i talk about um third thing is kind of a mixture between reforming criminal justice system and reforming our immigration system because to me, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, I think that we really do need to focus on how, on approaching our criminal justice system to reform and to lower recidivization. Um, because our recidivization right now is just, it's crazy. And a lot of that, ha- a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're not actually doing anything to help the people that go you know, that are put in our prison system. We don't, you know, we don't help them while they're in. We don't help them when they get out. We, you know, our, our society kind of turns their back on them when they come out. We, you know, they're not allowed to vote if they're a felon, even if they're a nonviolent felon, even if they're, even if their felony is for something like they got caught three times with weed. It's absolutely crazy. Like that, that takes away every other right for the rest of your life because you had weed on you three different times. So you got hit with that old three strikes. You're out freaking rule, you know, like that to me needs to be fixed. We need to go and try to help these people, you know, and, and get them and, and bring them back to society and, and help them make something for themselves, you know, 
because a lot of them they lose what seven eight ten fifteen years like, that's yeah. a big chunk of your life you don't realize it like what were you doing seven years ago i could tell you what i was doing seven years ago ten years ago i was married <laughs> you know <laughs> so so like a lot can change in in that little amount of, like that little amount of time like but somebody gets stuck inside like for that long like that's a big chunk of their life they just lost you yeah know? so we need we need to do better for them um to make it easier for them to come back into society with with immigration i think that um the u.s is one of the easier nations to get uh, to to emigrate to mm-hmm. um after looking into what it would take to go to like new zealand or um or to australia or like because i've i've done it because i again i i'm i have wanderlust so i want to go travel i want to go move somewhere for a couple of years um so i i've looked into like what it would take for me to get a visa to go live somebody somewhere for a couple of years um the u.s is a little bit easier but we're still it, it's a long process to come into this country legally um and it costs a freaking ton of money and oh yeah that that's why we have so many people willing to risk their life to come over illegally because they can't afford it. They can't, they can't wait that time, you know? So I think that we should fix our immigration system, make it easier for people who just want to come over here and try to better their lives. We were lucky. I mean, I don't know. I don't know your story, but like my family, we were lucky. We were born in this country. Um, Mm -hmm. The last time one of my family members uh, came over to the U S was early 20th century. Uh, one of my great great grandparents came over during the uh, Mexican Revolution Wars, um, and I think before that, one of my dad's uh, maternal grandparents came over from Germany back in the late 1800s. Like so, I, wow. I, I my family's been lucky to have been born in this in this country. You know, why yeah. shouldn't why shouldn't other people have the chance to have the same lives that we had the you know the chance to live out? Because I can tell you compared to a lot of the places I've been in the world between Kosovo and East Europe, um, between Costa Rica, between, uh, you know, my world travels, I I'll tell you the U S we have it a lot better than a lot of other places in this world do. Um, and I mean a lot better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, right. Like there, the people, <clears throat> people talk about how, even the poorest people here in this country are richer than most people in the world. And that's, that's not a lie. It's not an exaggeration. Oh no, it's not. I, I forget what the, what the number is, but you see it floating out there every now and then, but like the, like the, the average pay across like the entire world is, is not nearly as much as you would think it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it would like, it's a, it's a low number to live on here in the States, I, you know, I can't imagine trying to make that work, you know, somewhere else where conditions are not, you know, nearly as nice or, I mean, just think about what would, you know, talking about, um, you know, immigrants wanting to come over here and, and do it illegally and not, not spend the ridiculous amount of money or wait the time. I mean, just imagine what it must take for somebody with a, with a family or, you know, whatever their situation is to, to walk hundreds or, or thousands of miles to the border, you know, just for an opportunity to make it here in the States. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's a shame that we don't make it easier for them. You know, it's, 
uh, you know, a lot of politicians like to fear monger, you know, along the border. And I mean, that's just not the way we should go about it. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right that we're way, way overdue for a change in our immigration laws. I mean, when, when is the last time we even had any significant immigration reform? I mean, you might have to go all the way back to Reagan, you know, yeah, before I you think, hit anything I think, major. I think Reagan was the last time they even looked at it. Um, but even before that, like they were very particular. Um, what is it? I, I, I'm a history buff, like, and I and I went to school for for history. Um, during the Civil War in the United States, uh, there was a huge um, group of Irish people that were coming over, and a lot of Americans were like very adamant about not letting the Irish in um, into the country, and so the federal government to allow them into the government, into the country, basically sign them up for the draft and sent them off to war. Like mm-hmm. that was the, their way of earning their, their uh, citizenship. Um, and that's, that's not the first nor the last time that, that we have done that to people coming into this country uh, who are escaping, whether it was, it's a famine or a war, or, you know, I mean, world war two, we turned, uh, turned away a whole ship of, of, of Jewish people fleeing Germany and, and Europe, right. you know, yeah. like turn them away. Like our statue of Liberty says, give me your poor and your weak. Like, nah, nah, we don't, we don't want that poor and weak. We, we want right. them to stay over their country. Don't come over. Don't bring, you know, don't make our country any different. You know, that to me, that's not, that's, that's not the, the America I want, you know, and that's not, I, that's not the Texas I want. That's not my Houston. You know, like I, right. I, I've been talking about it since the beginning. I love the diversity in my city. This place is freaking awesome to me. I get to go visit all over the world just by driving around my neighborhood, kind of thing. <laughs> so, like to me, that that's what I want to see in this country. And, and but comparatively to like most other countries around the world, we're we're pretty diverse in the U.S. We have we have a good good mixture of people from all around the world. Why not make it better? Like, why not make it more of that? You, most other countries, especially like European countries it is very like homogenous. Right. And, and I, to me, I'm just like, you, you're missing out. <laughs> my, yeah. I, have a, I have a buddy in Germany who's like, man, I love Mexican food. I was like, dude, come to Texas. I was like, <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like, it will blow your mind on what Mexican food really is, dude. And and I know oh, I'm gonna have, I, I know I have people in Arizona who are gonna, who who talk crap about freaking, you know, oh, Tex-Mex is not real Mexican food, but uh. Uh, <laughs> well, they can get out of here with that. <laughs> I live in San Antonio, so those are those are fighting words, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, come, come, yeah, come eat down here, and, you know, tell me they ain't got great food. I'll, I'll tell you though, New Mexico hatch chili, man. I'll take that over anything. Mm. Give me some of that hatch chili, man. <laughs> man, no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't made my way out that far, but I, I definitely need to. Oh, for sure. It's definitely something that I think everybody should experience. Is freaking that green chili from, from New Mexico. Mm. My ex-wife introduced me to that stuff, dude, and I love her every day for that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, just one final thing before you go. I just got one more thing I got to ask you about. I know you, uh, you know, you, you know, you toyed with the idea of running for president, uh, you know, in the past. 2024 is right around the corner. Are you thinking, uh, 
you know, you thinking you might might give it a shot or, or you know, are the you know, are the requirements still going to be too strict or, you know, what, what what are you looking looking forward to doing? Any plans for the the next cycle? Uh, next cycle, I'm not I, I don't ever want to be president, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's a reason why all our presidents age like 200 years in their four oh, year terms. Goodness. Um, that is not a job I want. I don't want that job. You're playing for everything you have. You're supposed to have no power. Um, basically <laughs> like if, if we go by constitution way wise, the president is supposed to have very little power. Um, no, I don't, I don't want that job. I'm, I'm probably going to run uh, county or state level in 2024. Um, I've enjoyed doing the the national level i have enjoyed you know testing my metal against the the people that basically live and freaking work dc for the past 20 years Mm -hmm. um you know or 30 or 50 or you know 100 for some of them i'm not gonna name any names (laughs) Um, but like i've enjoyed like challenging those people and really putting putting some fire under them but i think for me personally uh, something more local is going to be where I can actually make real change um, and win a seat and get in there and, and start to basically break down a lot of the stuff that's been implemented over the past hundred years. And that I believe is wrong. Uh, freaking, you know, like I had a, who was it? Uh, Houston Chronicle asked me about, the decriminalization of marijuana in Texas. And I'm like, I'm all for it. I think, I think that, that, you know, we should decriminalize all drugs to make it easier for those people who are addicted to get the, the, the treatment they need. But mm-hmm. that's something I need. I, I, I really want to attack on a more local level in the, in 2024. Um, but who knows? Uh, somebody might convince me to step up and go back for Congress again for a third time. Um, we'll see. Uh, I, I, there, we have a good, good county party down here um i have some really good friends in the area that that have supported me for the past three years since i first basically said that i wanted to run for congress um my family's been behind me for the past four years (laughs) so they they they've been really really helpful and really supportive and i think that to me um is something that i think every anybody that wants to run for office needs to have they need to have a good support group around them uh, people who are willing to, you know, hey, I'll go knock on doors for you, you know, right. or hey, hey, here's here's a hundred dollars, maybe you know, buy a, buy some of that Facebook ad time, you know, like having those kind of people that are that that are they'll support you through thick and thin is very important, and I I think that everybody should, um, I think everybody should try to go and run for an office, whether it's local or you know school board or you know PTA, like just just go and experience it, go, you know, do, or, or be, just be active in your community, be, be extremely active in your community, go and sit in during council meetings and, you know, listen to what these people actually have to say, because most of them, they're, they're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about pushing, putting money in their own pocket and not really doing what needs to be done in the community. Oh yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. Getting regular everyday people more involved in their community and the, in the political processes that go on at the county local level is just, is just so incredibly valuable. 
Um, well, you know, take take this last minute or so here. Tell people where they can find you. Shout out the Twitter, the website, you know, every everywhere they can find you. Go ahead and let people know. I am uh, Pirate King everywhere. Uh, that's P-I-E as in pie, rat as in the mouse, and uh, king. Um, that is literally what, what my name is everywhere on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, everywhere. Um, my website is LeBlanc for Texas. That's the number four, uh, Texas.com. You can find me there. Um, and definitely go check out my website. I need to go back and uh, do some more changing to it, but, uh, hit me up on Twitter, email me at Joe LeBlanc at LeBlanc for Texas.com. I will answer questions no matter when I get it. Uh, I am usually not in bed until two o'clock in the morning and I wake up at eight o'clock every morning. So I'm available. I definitely understand that. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, It's been, it's been fun. Um, Yeah. Wait, one last thing before pirate King. Yeah. How did you, how did that come about? (laughs) So uh, my group of friends in the army, um, we were really into the punk scene and we called ourselves the landlocked pirates, but we thought it'd be funnier if we spelt it pirate instead of pirate. Um, when I got out, I, I was trying to think of a new gamer tag for uh, Xbox Live and uh, Pirate King fit. And I have owned it ever since. That's That's been <laughs> what it has been since then. Uh, when I started streaming and became partner on Mixer, I was like, now this is if like my my seo is pirate king i'm the first like six freaking links there so and you'll see an octopus because that's also my brand is i'm a big cephalopod lover so oh that's awesome that's yeah, yeah no that's really great pirate king on twitter and everywhere else leblanc for texas.com if you want to check him out there joe really thank you for coming on the show it's been awesome talking to you and uh you know, whatever you get up to in 2024, would uh, would love to have you on again sometime. Oh, I'd love to be back on. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I do appreciate it. Thank you.